0: I've always kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. If a group of people are doing something, I have to just do the opposite because it's you, you're you actually, you have a, bit, a bigger advantage if you don't do what's normal. You think the herd of gazelle are going the right way because the water is
1: there. It's like, well, by the time you get there, the water's going to be dry. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to to 2.0. My guest today is Scary. Okay, that's maybe not the right word, but his voice and on-camera presence can be quite intimidating. But I shouldn't be surprised he's a professional voiceover artist, professional videographer and photographer, and a metalhead on top of that. But he couldn't be a nicer guy and it was a pleasure talking with him. We chatted about on-camera presence and building his online business from services to digital courses. Enjoy. So I do want to talk business and I want to talk video setup, but um, I want to start with voice, as you can imagine. Um, I want to know, how does it happen? When did you realize that you had a voice of God, basically? Or or maybe I can work on it too. I can smoke a pack of cigarettes per day and I'm going to get where you are right now. Okay. Um, not advisable. Uh, nothing I have to say is medical advice. So
0: let's start with that. Um, I think a lot of it is genetic. Um... I do think though that there's, there's probably something somatic about teaching yourself to project properly. I think there was something in my Mm -hmm. early childhood where I wanted to be taken seriously by adults like every kid. So the Mm -hmm. first chance I got when I was 12, I started to notice like, you know, things kind of changing and I was, I think I would sit there and practice and slowly, um, as low as I could. You know before bed and just kind of like do those kinds of exercises because i knew that Mm -hmm. if my voice could resonate and shake a room it can kind of travel and hit someone faster and like it kind of turns heads and i knew that the more authoritatively i would speak and also adding to that vocabulary uh, presence Mm -hmm. projection uh, the way you breathe all of that can kind of amplify and sort of give your voice a timbre. That is just unusual, just kind of like a funny frequency. That's like, what, what, what was that? It's like a, a, a sound that people would turn their heads to. I think it just fully reinforced in my childhood brain that, Hey, this gets me attention. This gets me recognition, respect. Um, I knew that if I would speak in such a way that even a kid with, you know, a weird haircut and, you know, dress is funny and like all this weird quirks I had, I could still get the respect and attention of the people that I wanted to, if I can emote vocally a certain way. And I think that's helped me a lot throughout my life professionally and personally.
1: Do you think that someone who is trying to appear on video, on social media, or for that matter, someone like me, who is now in front of a microphone doing interviews, is there something that I can practice? Uh, Maybe not necessarily like the deepness of my voice, but uh, something to project better? Yeah. Um, and I've taught this
0: to a lot of people who are doing voiceovers and things like that. Breathing is probably number one. Uh, I, I'm not a vocal pedagogist. I have a friend who does vocal pedagogy, and he could explain this better than I could. Um, pedagogy is basically your, your like physiology of using your voice, so your whole diaphragm, I mean, down to your waist, everything matters. Mm-hmm. So I learned from theater to breathe with an expanded belly. We don't breathe from the chest. We breathe, like we keep our chest where it is and breathe from an expanded belly. And that actually, like, I feel like my lungs can kind of expand deeper, lower, and it kind of gives everything more room to breathe. So if I can not only breathe with the expanded belly, but speak with my belly expanded, I seem to be able to hit lower registers. And it's not that everyone's goal is a lower register, but like you'll find, you'll find a frequency there that seems to you'll be able to push more air through while keeping your windpipe open. It's something like that. I don't really. again. I don't know the physiology of it exactly. Yeah. But yeah. More openness, more expansion, taking up more space and pushing more air through your face will get that yeah, sound no. further,
1: faster. Cool, because every time I hear myself, I I think I'm going so high. I'm almost squeaky. I hate I hate to hear my own voice. I should practice. Some some deeper frequencies too. Yeah, actually, fun fact, we we do
0: we do hear our voices at a lower frequency than they actually are, because we have like we we hear through bone conduction as well. So our vocal cords are resonating through our skulls, through our bones connected to our ears. So we hear right. ourselves
1: at a frequency lower than we actually sound to other people. Fun fact. So you practiced when you were a child, but when did you realize that? that can be career? Did did someone find you or did you go into that direction? I had been
0: thinking about becoming a voiceover artist, I think towards the end of college, because I was really starting to think like, all right, I need to do something real because I I have an art degree. (laughs) I was in school for sculpture um, and I wanted to actually do that uh, to be an artist. But I knew I needed Mm -hmm. to have a practice that could more directly translate to, you know, time for money, freelance work right now. Yeah. You know, being a gallery artist wasn't exactly an easy path. And neither is voiceover, but I did manage to find an opportunity to start, which was like kind of a gun-to-my-head situation. I was working in a furniture design firm using my sculpture degree. So I was doing like CAD design and um some woodworking and stuff over there. I really loved it. And then one day I walk into work and my boss is like, We're screwed. We're finished. Like he just had a bunch of deals that fell through and had to lay off a bunch of people. So just one day I went to work and there was no job and it's like, all right, sign from heaven now or never started researching voiceover and, um, realized that there were some like pay to play websites and there were voiceover coaches you can <laughs> get into. So I just went through and tapped all the resources and figured out what to do and eventually came to my own method to find clients. And, um, it, it took a year, two, three years to really get that career to a place where it was, you know, taking care of me, but, um, it, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that I had such a moment of now or never, because for most people, it's like, you're just comfortable enough at your job where yeah. you're like, oh, I'll be a weekend warrior. Oh, I'll like, you know, try this website, try this, try that. And if you fail, it would like, there had to, there has to be real consequences if you fail. So for me, that try was, um, let's say 10 years ago, maybe, yeah, about nine, 10 years ago when that event occurred. So since then I've had to be on my own and I've never had a job since maybe some coffee shop gigs here and there, but like, it's pretty much been me since then for better or for worse. It's,
1: it's, it's been scary, but it's been a blessing. Okay. I cannot not pick up on, on, on what you said, which is I found my own way to find clients. What was the way? All right.
0: So Back when I was starting in voiceover, the big thing was pay-to-play websites. There's, this I won't name the site, but there's uh, websites where, you know, it's like a lot of other freelance websites work. It's the same way Fiverr works. It's like the uh, client Mm -hmm. posts their job and the the talent posts their auditions. And then it's like a matchmaker. It's like a business matchmaker for finding voiceover talent. And that was like the hot thing at the time. So you would do like hundreds of auditions every day and I'm not even going to get into how is not fair. It's kind of corrupt. It never really worked properly. And I'm like, this is not efficient. I have to sidestep this somehow. So I was listening to Tim Ferris. I read the four hour work week, which changed my life completely. Uh, listening a lot to Gary Vaynerchuk. This was around 2016, 2017, when he was really, really, really hot, kind of new, uh, shaken up the world of business. People had never heard someone talk like that before. A lot of people with, um, who didn't have kind of like a business mentor all only had him. So he, he made some really good points. It's like it, the, the distillation that I really got from him was like, don't make your offer just about like how good you are at what you can do. It's not really about you. It's about how you make your potential clients feel. And you do that through content. No one will know what you are. They won't know what language, what flavor you are. If you don't make content to surround a brand that represents what you do, maybe not on like a technical level, like how good you are at it, but can you make someone feel like you will do good work for them? So to me, it's like, okay, well, it's not about having the best voice. It's not even about being able to, I mean, when it comes down to the job, yes, it comes down to how you read and how you interpret words. But clients also want to know that they just like you. They just want to feel some kind of flavor from you. So I developed a brand around my voiceover career and I called it the voiceover beard and some internet OGs might remember the ads um, I used to run, um, th- yeah, I, I would make the silly content and only show my face from like here down, I would just be the, the voiceover beard, this like silly character and say the most outrageous things in broadcast quality. And through that content, I was able to build a, you know, a decent following and be able to reach out to brands and production companies and and they would respond. It's like if you send cold emails, no one responds. But if you do it through Instagram and have your content right there, it's like they will respond. They're like, you are so funny. You're so unique. You're so different. Sure, we'll give you a shot. Can you read this script? And then I would actually do a great read and then would be like, yeah, you can have the job. You're amazing. Let's do it. So that's when I realized that it's the same thing I've been dealing with my whole life, like I've always kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. If a group of people are doing something, I have to just do the opposite. Because it's you, you're actually, you have a bit, a bigger advantage. If you don't do what's normal, you know, mm-hmm. you, you want to kind of, we have an inclination to sort of follow the crown. You think, you think the herd of gazelle are going the right way because the water is there. It's like, well, by the time you get there, the water is going to be dry. You're better off just trying to find your own path to the water. and. It just helped me to just take a big step back and think about what are the best minds in the business world doing. Let's not just focus on my own niche. Let's see what what actual people are doing who think broader. And I mm-hmm. knew that I had to do something different and it did work. So I created the course on how to do that and that's what I was running the ads for. That's how most people know the voiceover beard coming up on your YouTube feed.
1: All right, so they outreach that you did, the cold outreach through DMs, that was for your services to brands. And then the ads were for the course. Am I getting this right? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly how it worked. So can you tell a little bit about the business of it? Uh did the money actually come from the service more or the course? Or at the beginning, maybe like usually people when they start in the online world and the, the careers, they first lean heavily on, on, on their skill and on the services, trying to get the big bucks in and then on scale with courses and digital products? Did you experience something similar? Yeah, uh, full transparency. As a voiceover artist, I was making a middle-class income. I was
0: fine. Uh, as a bachelor, definitely taking care of myself. Um, I know that I could have even done more, and if I had a family to support, it would have been okay. But when I had the idea for the courses, <laughs> let's, let's just go into the whole story. So um, I've actually been a professional drummer my whole life. And the band that I was in signed a record deal in 2017. It was actually a fairly big deal. And I'm, I was so blessed at the time. I'm like, oh my God, this is my big shot, uh, thinking, well, I can't do voiceovers on the road. And so many people were asking me to teach them and coach them in voiceover. I'm like, I don't really have time. And then when I met someone who made online courses, he was like, yeah, I can just make videos of myself teaching the same lessons and make it way cheaper for people to access and I'm actually making (laughs) more money. I'm like, that seems like a win-win Then everyone gets their questions answered. I get to sell this thing remotely and follow my passion and play music for a living. So I put everything else down and created the course and launched it. And yes, it did actually make more money than the voiceover career itself. And it took less time too. And then I had my time and my freedom and everything. Uh, to to travel with the band and that played out quite nicely uh, and then and then COVID hit and so no one was touring anymore so it was all yeah. around that time but it uh, to answer the question
1: yeah the course actually paid more than the freelance career itself all right but now these days you're not just the beard you're the face as well and you're and you're helping others to show their faces in a spectacular way online over video. How did that transition happen? You thought that course worked very well. I can reach wider audience talking about some wider subject too. That was part of it. And I think any good idea, you,
0: you, you should know it's a good idea if it comes in response to something someone is asking you for. So as I was running the ads for the voiceover beard, I, was, I had a webinar that I shot professionally because I used to be a professional photographer, so I know my lighting. I know my microphones, obviously, from voiceover. So my videos looked really good for a digital marketer. So I would go to these conferences and just chill with other entrepreneurs doing what I'm doing. I'd show them little clips from my ads and my webinar. And they're like, what mic is that? What camera is that? What light is that? How do you how do you make yourself look like that? And so many people were asking. And I'm like, oh, this sounds like another course. (laughs) Uh, So I run the idea by some people and they're like, dude, make that course like they pre pre bought it. I could basically pre-sell it to anyone because like people were really asking for that because the only way they had to learn um, audio video microphones for making ads and webinars was through watching YouTube videos and kind of sifting through that stuff. Or they would buy like a filmmaking course, which had way too much information. They would tell you to buy like soft boxes and large pieces and you know things that I know that guys like us don't want to mess with. We don't want to live in a place where there's just like giant studio pieces everywhere and complicating mm. gear. We want like plug and play stuff. We want wireless. We want flat panels. We don't want like the stuff that a filmmaker knows. So there's really no resource that teaches just what you need to make this happen without over supplying, you know, too much information or just other, kind of disadvantages. This is like exactly the thing for exactly the person because they asked for it. So it is like one thing led to another between one course to the next course, the people I was meeting,
1: the questions I was answering, the conversations I was having, one thing led to another. No better validation than from the market itself, right? Exactly. Um, for those that are listening to us, you should know that you're missing out heavily, you should definitely turn on YouTube (laughs) because, because the quality of the video this time is crisp. It's fantastic. So can you maybe share what you are using yourself right now? What's your setup, lights, camera? What are the essentials that you mentioned?
0: Um, I've upgraded to one of the newer mirrorless cameras and it's the, it's the Canon EOS R. And I've found that the EOS RP is just as good for our purposes and it's a very affordable full-frame mirrorless camera. I really do recommend full frames. Uh, my microphone is uh, kind of uh, contested some people are like you're not using that microphone properly it's a shotgun mic which i'm sure yeah. you noticed. like that that really is supposed to be boomed from out of the shot like overhead but mm. this is the mic i used for my entire voiceover career from four to six inches away and it sounds beautiful up close and I'm like why why wouldn't we have it in the shot it's like a sexy little virginia slim it's like it's it's not obtrusive it's very small and sleek and i like it Um, And I have that wirelessly connected right now to my computer through the DJI system. And um, that is running through the Zoom feed. That's easy. And then my light is just a flat panel LED, about 18 inches wide. And um, that's more or less it. Uh, There are some quirks to this, though. The reason I'm able to look directly at you, I have my iPad inside my teleprompter mirroring my computer screen. So I'm looking directly at your face right now. And uh, it's actually being mirrored through. And as I look at that image, I'm I'm looking straight through the camera lenses right behind it. So that worked out perfectly. And uh, another thing I'm now trying, which is new, and it's kind of a giveaway, but this image behind me is not my actual living room. And it's not a green screen. This is actually my LED TV
1: in my house. Wait, it's uh, so up close, right behind you, that it's... uh that you cannot tell basically yeah it covers the the frame
0: yeah it's like uh four feet behind me and it blurs naturally just like with regular Mm -hmm. lens blur it's a sharp image on my tv but since the camera's focused on me whatever's behind me gets blurrier and uh it's something new that i'm trying because i saw this cool documentary on how they shot the mandalorian the star wars movie and what they do is they have these like cyclorama size led panels and So they don't use green screens anymore. They just project it onto an led and the camera kind of Mm. picks it up. Like it's a real life object. So I'm like, why can't I do that? So now I've been actually shooting content against my TV. Um, and at the right frame rate, at the right shutter speed, that banding goes away. And I, if I can balance my light to the lighting in the image behind me, kind of looks like I'm there. I had you going, didn't I? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) We've been on the call for a while and I had no clue. So even if I stepped away, like it'll focus on the image behind me. Just as if you were here and it just kind of looks
1: with no, no BS having to deal with green screen stuff after and it works on lives too. So I was sure you're going to tell me AI, like I was ready for AI. And so that surprised me. (laughs) I hate to be provocative, but I have to ask, um, for people who are, let's say just starting, um, you know, you, 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 said somewhere, um that you should give an appearance that your business is in a place that you can afford to put effort into video quality, right? Because that sort of increases the, uh, the, the perceived value that you can give as a professional in any field, basically. Um, but when is it too early? Like, can great video quality be an enemy of good content? So we focus on how it looks, but not actually what we say? The most important thing in your business is your
0: offer and directly next to that is your copy and notice i'm the one out here talking about video quality and even i'll say your offer and your copy are more important i'm not here to hide any of that if you think you're ready to improve your front facing image your public facing first touch point image because your offer is so good that you just you are ready to to open up the floodgates and allow people to really see into you because you have nothing to hide, then it's time to improve your appearance. I think before you make any video content at all, you should be addressing your appearance. Because what's the point of doing all the work if you can get so much better output for the same effort with better quality? Like, we're at the point now where it's quite easy to put something like this together, and people just don't understand mm-hmm. the, how how accessible it really is. They don't know what the resources are. You, you could get... 10x the results, maybe not in reach or you won't have this explosive thing happen because you know, Instagram and TikTok, who knows how those algorithms work, but it's it's not optimized for video quality. But people who are ready to take action and actually pay you for something, they mm-hmm. there is a psychological effect that happens. When you invite them into your space and you present them with an image that's easy to look at, they tend to have an easier time trusting you. And I mean, I've, there's no way to do a real proper split test on this, but I mean, if you look at my click rate on my ads, you look at my like funnel metrics, like even on my last funnel versus my new funnel, like it's just straight through my, they're very, very successful. Like people tend, I've, I used to run, I used to take advice from people back when I was running the old course, um, to just to make something on my iPhone, very cheap and easy, relatable. Mm -hmm. And then I switched to the professional video quality and it tripled my income overnight. So wow. I think I'm kind of done listening to people as far as that. I've, I've kind of had my own results to show for it. Um, and a lot of my members in my course, uh, one is running ads on YouTube and she, uh, he decreased his lead gen by like, his, his lead cost by like 60%. And then another one who does uh, coaching calls, yeah, he he books way more calls. He think he books three times more calls now. And the, the clients who get on the calls are like, I am I was really ready to book with you before, but now that you have this video quality, I'm just so much more drawn to you. So I went ahead and booked it.
1: Can we go a little bit deeper into the ads? Like how do you, you said copy is the most important, offer is most important. How do you look at ads? Are they, uh, are we running completely cold ads or are you running ads for people who interacted with your content previously to retarget and re-engage them? How does the ad the system fits into your funnel?
0: Totally cold. Uh, I'm running currently on Instagram, trying things on YouTube. Um, we're still experimenting with that. They just had a big change in the way they do targeting recently, but Instagram has been working really well. Uh, and again, totally cold. You can turn someone from having never seen you before into paying you hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, in an hour if you sequence your messaging the right way. If the first, if the thing you say in the first three seconds is just right. Well, then they'll listen to you for the first 12 seconds. And if that sentence was like bang on exactly what they need to hear, they'll listen for 30. And if that was right, they'll click. And if the landing page, the headline is right, I'll watch the video right there. If that video is right, they'll click and opt-in. You see what I'm saying? So like you always optimize for the very next step. If you say just Mm -hmm. the right thing to get them to the very next action you want them to take, They will follow you all the way through from having never seen you before to paying you hundreds of dollars very shortly after.
1: All right. So you run cold outs for straight to your offer or you're running for a freebie and delivering free value and only converting after that when people already trust you to know what you're talking about.
0: There, it was at one point a one page funnel just straight to the offer and then Mm -hmm. I kept getting the same questions in my DM inbox from people who saw my ads. They would just go straight to the and ask me certain questions. So I sort of compiled all those questions into a 10 minute quick, quick, free, like webinar kind of, you know, lesson. Um, I call it and it's just a free training and I do address my camera, lens, lighting, audio, all the preconceived notions you might have, all the myths busted about each of those topics. In only 10 minutes. So I was just like, how can I make this the most like. Dripping wet with value thing that people would see like, oh, only 10 minutes. You're a lot more likely to watch a 10 minute video than like a 30 minute or a 50 minute video. So mm-hmm. how can I compress this into like the most satisfying three video I could imagine, because we've all watched at least a million freaking webinars in our lives we're so sick of it. So, I mean, everything is totally scripted. Everything is is just to the T. I changed scenes seven different times in 10 minutes to show you the different kind of backgrounds and the different kind of lighting I can use and and show you how to do. And it's just so incredibly optimized and I'm so happy with how it came out. And it doesn't, at 10 minutes, it doesn't really throw a hitch in the funnel sequence at all. People are having a great time going straight from the opt-in, watching the whole video going straight to checkout and it's been a really good experience in the funnel so far
1: um the ads themselves is it just you talking to the camera or is it always video or sometimes pictures how the ad themselves look like
0: yeah i mean i tried running uh, image ads versus video fell right off day two i could be like this is not gonna work um which is fine because i'm proficient in making videos so it's actually great i've been running video ads only um Mostly I've I've tried doing square and vertical, but the horizontals are great because I can run them straight to YouTube and then run them on Instagram as well. I kind of put the horizontal sixteen by nine inside a nine by sixteen so that it mm-hmm. can come up on feeds and stories and I only need one version of it and Instagram will automatically recrop it for the different placements. So that's been really good. Just just video ads, high quality video ad.
1: Got it. I don't know if it's maybe market-specific, but uh, as huge in, in the ad space in general and in advertising, um, UGC, so user-generated content, is massive, right? Um, and maybe it's uh, dependent on the product that you're selling, but how do you look at high-quality sort of um, studio-quality videos versus the user-generated content, iPhone unboxing, that type of stuff? Is it market-dependent or it's just offer-dependent if they work? Yes,
0: it's offer dependent, it's niche dependent. I think, um, for e commerce, especially if it's like I don't know, like a kitchen doodad, a little you know, tool you know, for for men, a new kind of screwdriver or something, dude, just freaking film it with your iPhone, it's no big deal. Um, and I think when it's for the info space for selling courses or Mm -hmm. information, anything like that, I think this is bang on perfect I think for any kind of coaching for financial advice for anything in the B2B space for sure we want to come on like this Um, I think things operate quite differently for e-com though Uh, for example e-com ads are doing great on TikTok info ads do absolute shit on TikTok because that's where it's audience dependent TikTok is a scrappy quick and dirty kind of platform Instagram is a little more buttoned up right so is YouTube And so, yeah, it's just, it's dependent on, uh, the context. I think people should really be more context aware when they're, when they're creating anything for the internet, especially with the YouTube ads. Like you'll be watching like MKBHD or something. He looks amazing. And then some shitty looking ad will come up in the middle where the guy's got his iPhone up his nostrils. And he's like, I'm a freaking millionaire. Click my ad. And it's like, you look ridiculous because he's not being aware of the context.
1: And if we're talking about offer being so important, and then second, you mentioned copywriting being so important, are there any frameworks when building your own offer for your course in terms of pricing or what is included, how you look at building an offer that they cannot reject? Yeah, a lot goes into it. Using as an example,
0: my voiceover course, I had two options. I could either work with existing voiceover talent who are trying to get their Instagram profile optimized and their website optimized to find clients on social media instead of through their agent and charge 5k a month or 10k one time or something and just do this high ticket thing and really work one-on-one with people, that was one option. The other option was to make it more accessible to newbies, first-timers, people just trying to get started and make it less hands-on and also make it way, way cheaper. Depending on how many people I wanted to work with, how deeply involved I wanted to work with people and what kind of problems I wanted to face in my business, how much I wanted to do, I want to do lots of small transactions or do I want to do very few large transactions? So that was part of the architecture of the offer. Uh, this new offer is kind of built on the back of that. It's kind of the same flow where it's, it's a lower price. It's more accessible it's for people who have never done this before. Um, I have touch points with them, but they're not allowed to basically, you know, text me. They can't bother me on Mm -hmm. off hours and stuff like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then I'm soon, I'm currently architecting a higher ticket offer, which I've done before where I work privately with people over zoom and we really dial in everything. I have an acting coach on the team an interior designer on the team. We work with their background, we work with their on-screen appearance and their, their, uh, emotive strategy, like how they come on screen um and that could be something for you know much more experienced existing business owners who really just want to fast track themselves and have this incredible appearance very quickly and get all their questions answered you know without having to wait in line so
1: i'm just thinking that i need this Uh, screw business owners podcast hosts need this i need i need my presence hard for me to disagree with that i'm interested to know whether you're talking about price uh, right at the beginning of the funnel, like you scream it about discounts, for example, on the ads, or you let people go through the funnel and then meet the price at the end of it. You never,
0: ever say the price until the time is right. Because you want to build the anticipation so much. You want this thing to seem so expensive. You want them to picture their worst nightmare. It's going to be $5,000. It's going to be $50,000. Oh my God, this is is so much value on screen right now. This guy's promising the world to me. It's going to be so expensive. And then you finally drop the price and it should be a relief to see that it's only X hundred dollars or X thousand dollars. Like, oh, thank God. It's only Mm -hmm. $5,000, right? Because if you approach it from a different frame, they're going to like, if they start with the anchor at like it's $5,000 and here's what you get, they're gonna be like, 5,000 is this? And the offer is yeah. gonna be like, well, it better stack up. And if it doesn't stack up to the 5,000, like I don't want it. But if they're like, here's the value, and the price is like, they, they imagine it's here, if it comes down and down and down and suddenly the price is here, well, it's flipped. And now they're interested. Now they're not as like intimidated by that price. So there's a really specific, and you can learn this from Russell Brunson. He goes over it. He's classic. So he'll he'll talk about the offer stack and why it's so important to reveal a price in a certain way at a certain time. And it's really all psychological. It's pretty fascinating. Works on me, works on you. It's just classic. I love it.
1: We're getting a little bit into sales pitch copywriting here, right? So that's, that's actually very interesting. Um, how do you is there some sort of sequence or a framework that you use that you build up this anticipation and this value stacking from Russell Branson to, in, in, order to build up this, this perceived value being so high.
0: There's frameworks around it. Um, a lot of them are pretty embodied for me, so it's hard to just kind of pull off the cuff and just start talking about it. Uh, it's intuitive for me at this point. Um, yeah, it's like, I do like to say this as an artist. Back when I was doing sculptures and making music, I would stand back or listen back to something I'm, I'm currently working on, and the question I would ask myself is, is it right? Is it, is the composition right? Is it balanced? Does it strike me? And so when I'm doing copy, that I use the same part of my brain, but the question I ask myself is, is it compelling? If I saw this, if I heard this in an ad, if I heard this sequence of words... Do I feel that little squeeze in my adrenal glands? Do I feel my heart sort of go like, Mm -hmm. shit, I want that. Like, do is it, is it compelling? Compelling is the word. There's something about the word compelling that I think is just all encompassing for like, that's the spirit that we want to go through everything that we make.
1: And, uh, and it works pretty well for you. I, uh, I love your funnel and. And I went through it, uh, and I wanted to ask you about your email sequence. Um, we all know emails are uh, emails are still king, right? It's your own channel. You don't have to rely on Insta followers and being blocked or, or your ads being disabled. And you are, I would say, pretty aggressive with emails. So when I did sign up for uh, for the free webinar, I I think every twelve hours I received an email nudging me towards purchase. Can you tell about the the strategy behind it and if that Persistence actually works so well. You mean the first, well, what I do is I actually have a
0: 72-hour special. The first time you opt in for the webinar, you have 72 hours to mm-hmm. purchase at a discount. And Frank Kern, he talks about sending like two, three, four emails a day because the people who are interested, mm-hmm. they need the nudge. And the people who aren't interested, they'll just unsubscribe. If someone's ever emailing you, being like, hey, this is too many messages, well, then just A, don't answer them, and B, like, why are they even on your list? Like, just they'll just unsubscribe, so they'll never buy from you. If Basically, if they're complaining that you're sending too many emails, they'll never buy from you anyway, so don't take any feedback from them at all, good or bad. Um, And I think, yeah, the first 72 hours is a good period of time. Again, for the context, for the price point, I think 72 hours is ample time to make the decision most people check out within an hour of opting in in the first place because the funnel is so fast Mm -hmm. and the price is so you know it's priced to sell it's pretty good you don't really have to sit there for three days thinking about you know how expensive my offer is um i think for something that's like you know fifteen thousand dollars, give me 10 days to get my shit together and then we'll talk you know um again just being context aware and i think sending a ton of emails especially the first the during the first 72 hours my email sequence is full of uh customer results which i think is the most mm-hmm. important thing i mean let's talk about an order of importance offer copy testimonials like people want to see that this has worked for someone else who's just like me who had the same problem who had no prior experience
1: and got amazing results with no effort in no time or as close to that as possible i wanted to ask about instagram and how your- um, organic content works versus your ads. So are the clients also coming from your organic reels and organic content on Instagram, or it's just sort of proof of concept for people who will click through the ad both? Yes. Uh, I think
0: from organic, I can't say that many sales come through when I take a break from ads, when something happens or I have like a quick, you know, Mm -hmm. ad account error or something, I notice. I try to take notice in uh, how many people are checking out and it's or, or opting in. It's just way low. It's not none, but for my account currently having twenty thousand followers and having like I don't know five, seven opt-ins per day and no sales mm-hmm. when I'm not running ads. It's like it's it's showing that like you must need like hundreds of thousands of really dedicated followers where you're posting all the time. And there's a strategy around selling through stories and optimizing your organic Instagram. I'm not so much into that. I, I love the ads because it's kind of like a dial that I can put my finger on. If I want, you know, Mm -hmm. more traffic, I just turn up the dial, want less traffic, turn down the dial. If I'm restructuring my website, just turn it off and then turn it back on. It's, it's really pretty convenient to have it like that instead of being on the, I call it the organic hamster wheel where you're constantly making content. And I am posting every other day because I batch my reels, I, I make 60 reels in one day and send them off
1: for editing. And then I have like, you know, two months of content right there. So can you share if how much do you outsource and how much do you do yourself? Like, of course, the recording has to happen <laughs> because your face is on it. But the editing or running ads as well, is that you have a team for that or it's mostly you? Yeah, I have an editing partner and uh, it's mm-hmm.
0: actually my recommended partner that I share with my group members as well. So when, when you become a member, you get a special deal to work with them. Um, I started by editing on my own and then quickly realized like, oh my God, like I have plenty more to do. We should just focus on what we're best at and what, uh, how we can best leverage our time. So I went through a few different editing services and found one that worked for me. Um, I do my own. I take all of my raw files and I do my own color correction on them. And then I do my audio editing because that's the one thing I don't mm. trust the video editors to do the audio editing. That's gotta be my thing. Um, Cause I have my, my specific plugins and then my own EQ for my ear. I know my voice best. I don't think I've ever worked with a video editor that gets my audio right the first time. So I've, I've been able to train them on my plugins and my, my audio chain, and they've done well with it so far.
1: Awesome. All right. Uh, let's do a little, uh, every podcaster's favorite part, which is uh, a little quick fire round, quick answers. Uh, quick uh, quick questions and quick answers, please. You can have a think about it, but uh, give me a short ones, all right? Are you a team player or a lone wolf? Lone wolf. Take risks or carefully calculate? Both. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Who inspires you most? People who do it different. What profession, and I know you had many, but other than your own, would you like to attempt? Furniture designer. What is an underappreciated business tool that you couldn't live without iPad just love my iPad and what's your productivity life hack I don't want
0: to say something generic like flow state but uh, batching work
1: and what does success mean to you? peace awesome and uh, to end with I would like to know your plans for the future so you are uh, are you planning to expand your offer and your content into different platforms, uh, or you're satisfied with where you are right now and how you're growing. We should always be proud of
0: our work at the current state we're at, because if you've done well, you're ahead of where you used to be. And don't ever forget that. Always congratulate yourself, pat yourself on the back. However, uh, I do have plans to, again, implement this higher ticket offer where I'm working more privately with people. I would love to do maybe a home installation service if I can become like the geek squad of this kind of stuff. Uh, Lots of ways to swing this hammer, man. I I thought about doing like corporate office installation, things like that, working with businesses like WeWork or who knows uh, Salesforce and just being able to implement this system inside corporate office buildings for people to just walk up, plug and play and use. Um, There are just so many things I can do. It's just difficult to decide which to do first, which I have the capability to do first and uh whatever makes sense at the time but yeah for sure i think this is a great niche for me i feel really comfortable here representing this and teaching people this people are responding really well to it and i love the people who are coming in through my funnel and uh, interacting with me and i just feel like it's really my calling as far as a business sense Um, There are other creative projects that I'd like to do way, way outside of this that will make way less money and I don't care. Um, But this has been an excellent way to balance a few passions of mine with something that does make money and makes people happy and provides value. And I'm really lucky and blessed to be this person
1: in this position. And if you start some new business venture, how long do you give it before you give up? Or what what is the line that tells you, that is working or red line that says it's not working. How do you evaluate this? That's a hard question because it's the metric is not necessarily
0: time. It's it's effort. It's burnout. It's feedback. It's emotional, very emotional. If you if you just feel like when someone's giving you feedback on on your offers or or your your service, how they felt interacting with you they're you can just sort of feel if they're they're not passionate about it, mm-hmm. and even if it's a cool idea and maybe it would work five years ago or five years in the future, it, or for someone else who's not you, it's just not for you today, right now, here on Earth today, and that would be okay. Um, it's important to be realistic and lay into that. Um, I mean, I this is this is not my first rodeo, dude. Of which means that everything I've done before this has failed. So, and, and that's okay. Um, no, not necessarily everything has failed. I've pivoted. Um, I've been on a ride since then, but everything before my first online course business, but everything before my first voiceover business was yeah. like tough. You know, I ran like a Kickstarter when I was 26 or something. And, um, it was for a minimalist wallet that I designed that is still so cool. That thing is awesome. Um, I think it really could have popped, but I didn't have the connections in the manufacturing space, even though I put together a supply chain I really made it, I tried to make it work. It was like pulling freaking teeth. You know, I would work at a coffee shop and then get back home and get on the phone with China trying to get some mold made, try to find some plastic from Kansas. It just, it was, it was crazy. It would think it was too much for one person with no connections and honestly not enough capital to get the thing started. Um, and no marketing and ads knowledge at that time. And I think I was, I was plenty passionate, but just ill-equipped. So that was the reason it just didn't work. I had to get real with myself after nine months. I'm like, this is too hard.
1: This is not right for me today on earth. It has to be right. And it has to be right. As you said, not just for you, but for the people you're doing it for. So I, I think it's a very good indicator to aim, to hear the passion, the positive feedback back from people that you're aiming your offer at, right? That's, uh, that lets you know that you're going the right direction and there are people who share your feeling and your passion for it. Right. And not just their words, but
0: the way they emote when they talk to you, just like you have any conversation with anyone, it's really emotional. So when it comes to on-screen authority, people are coming to me, they, they book a, a private call with me. And the first thing they say is your course is incredible. It solved so many problems for me. And I just can't believe this resource exists. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy. I paid you money. And it's like, damn, that feels like I'm on fire from that. It's just because yes, the money is cool. Making money online, for something you've already made once and continues to sell. It's like, that's an amazing feeling. You know what beats it? When you help someone see themselves in a new way on camera with lighting and and they can hear themselves in a new way. And, and they, they look on their own screen, they look at their own content and they're like, I look like I'm on TV, dude. That is so cool. They go to sleep with a new feeling, this new idea of who they are, this new self image. And it, Call it cheesy, but like, it really is what happens when you learn these tools and you can come on and be proud of what you make. And if I can facilitate that, a new self-image for someone to share their positive message. All right, dude, I'm doing a little service to the world. That's cool. I feel good about that. I
1: go to sleep at night feeling good about that. I don't care if it's cheesy, if it's true. Well said. I like that. Uh, thank you so much, Jason. Thank you for, for joining. Despite our little technical troubles we made it and it was awesome thank you thank you so much thank you very much i had a great time talking to you you're an excellent host thanks so much for joining and listening um quality matters is the takeaway here and actually i had multiple guests saying that they agreed to come on this podcast because of the production quality of it despite us being quite new and quite small So yeah, quality matters. I hope you thought this was a quality episode and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.